0: You know, God has said that we are clothed in righteousness because of Christ. Like those of us who are in Christ are new creation. Those of us in Christ are becoming more Christ-like every single day. Like, so I think there becomes a point where we can no longer identify in sort of that like before Christ identity that Adam and Eve identity where we're so broken we're so ugly we're so terrible and at some point we have to embrace like who God says we are we are image bearers and yes the way we bear God's image is broken but the image of God in us is not broken because the true image of God is Jesus And so it's, again, like, I just think we have to reframe some of the ways we speak over ourselves, because that is not how God sees us or speaks over us. For those who are in Christ, who are forgiven, who are made new, who are empowered by the Holy Spirit, like, it is time for us to begin speaking, like, good words over ourselves that God has spoken over us
1: hey guys thanks for joining me for today's episode of faith hope love where we grow together in our faith increase in hope and learn how to better love god and love other people today we are in our momentum series in our moving others portion and we are really focusing on what it looks like to love others well how do we um, encourage other people through our love And so today we have a special guest on the show. Her name is Aubrey Sampson. She, um, a while ago wrote one of my favorite books, Overcomer, and it talks about overcoming our shame, which I think a lot of us as women really need that. Um, But her brand new book, Known, just released and I'm so excited to be able to talk with her about it on the show today. So, um, Aubrey, thanks for joining me on the show. Would you mind introducing yourself before we jump into your book?
0: Yeah, I would love to. And thanks so much for having me, Melissa. I love your vision. I love the heart behind this podcast. I love that you're a woman doing it and women listeners. And so I am so beyond thrilled to be here with you, um, Yes. So like you said my name is Aubrey Sampson. I'm the author of three books. My third my second book is a book called Louder Song and it's about lament and seasons of difficulty which we can talk about later if we want to. But um I am a mom of three sons. They are 15, 12, and 9, so boy, mom, through and through. Um, My husband and I are church planters. We planted a church in West Chicago where we live about six years ago that we lead, and it's been crazy to lead in a pandemic, but it's God is good. God builds his church, Um, and then... Uh, on top i I tend to do a lot. I'm kind of a doer, so I'm just wrapping up my master's at Wheaton College and I have a podcast that I do as well called Nothing is Wasted and I have a radio show called The Common Good that's on daily in the Chicago and like Midwest region and then you know beyond that, my boys are at that stage where we're just watching all the Marvel movies and making homemade pizzas and it's a good season, you know they're not like itty bitties anymore, so there's a little bit more freedom. Um, and, and anyway, we just, we love our neighborhood. We love our family. We love uh, serving the church here in Chicago. So it's fun.
1: I love it. And, um, you talk about being a boy mom. I have a six-year-old boy and a four-year-old boy. So we're, um, in the thick of like early, early childhood and it is, um, it is crazy <laughs> in our house. I never realized how crazy it would be to be a boy mom, but I just, I love it. I love my kids. They are so goofy and like super silly. I would love to just kind of dive into your books. Um, obviously I said before, Overcomer is just so, so um like, I know it's like five five or six years um, since you wrote it, um, but I, I love how you really break down shame. And I feel like, again, as women, so many of us really struggle in that area um, and we don't know how to name it sometimes, um, but I love how in your new book, in Known, you kind of focus in on um, essentially like the ways that God speaks about us. And I think that's another piece of, sh- of taking down that shame as well, is being able to, to look at the way that the world names us and saying, this is false. Um, and these are the names that God has given us. So I would love, I mean, each of your chapters kind of follows a different name that God has given. Would you mind kind of picking a few of your favorites and kind of sharing those?
0: So Overcomer, like you said, is about overcoming shame and it's about overcoming shame from like big T trauma, but also just everyday insecurities that all women deal with from like, I don't know, you found out you had a cavity when you went to the dentist and women blame themselves for that and they carry that in such a crazy way. And, um, you know, it's kind of funny to laugh at those things, but women do carry shame. Like you were saying, Melissa, I think really, really profoundly. So, um, In Known, I write about a name that I spoke over myself after some instances that I write about an overcomer. So overcomer, I write specifically about um, two experiences of sexual assault. So um, for, I'm guessing, many of your listeners, especially since you have so many women, they know what that, uh, they've experienced it. They have a friend who's experienced it. uh, And Some women, a lot of women actually have stories worse than mine. But um, I was assaulted twice as a teenager, once as a younger teenager on a school bus, and then again as an older teenager at an after-school job. And that one happened more consistently. Um, But because of that, I carried around a name that I spoke over myself again and again and again, which was, Aubrey, you're so needy. Like what happened to you was your fault because you're so needy for male attention. And so that phrase needy just began, I mean, it's just a name that like, I don't know, really got into the fabric of my soul. And I mean, one of the stories that I write about in Known, my new book, is that I was even in college having a really fun day and that you're so needy, you're so needy, just kept coming up again and again and again. And like in a way that was... Um, when I was mindful of it, just really imprisoning me, making me feel insecure, making me probably act more needy, essentially. Um, And then sometimes I wasn't necessarily aware of it. Like sometimes these names that we speak over ourselves become like a Wi-Fi password. Like you don't even think about it anymore, but it's just there, you know? Um, And so sometimes I wouldn't think about it, but it was certainly, I, I wasn't able to be this like vibrant, free woman of God that I wanted to be, that I knew God had called me to be because I just thought, I'm just needy. I'm needy for male attention. I'm needy for this. I'm needy for that. Well, so anyway, long story short, I began to pray when I was in college that the Lord would remove the name needy from my soul's fabric, you know? Like, Lord, please take this away from me. And we do see in scripture a lot of times the Lord um, just in an instant changes his followers' names, renames them, and those are always really beautiful moments. But what we also know, any of us who have walked... For any period of time, know that sometimes God doesn't heal like in poof. He heals in process. And things take a long time, right? And that's not always fun, but that is certainly part of God's goodness and God's plan. So, anyway, I I prayed in undergrad, right, that God would remove this name needy, and it wasn't until I mean, gosh, how old are you when you graduate from college? Maybe twenty two. So almost a decade later, maybe not quite that long, but I was pregnant. Um, no, I wasn't even pregnant. I had just given birth to my firstborn son, Eli. And I remember um, sitting in the hospital holding him. And I'll never forget, it was like the Holy Spirit like time traveled and answered that prayer from all those years ago because I remember this thought, wow, my son is so needy but it was the most beautiful neediness i'd ever seen in my life like he was so utterly dependent on me as his mama for my nourishment and my care and my nurturing that that neediness was not something to be ashamed of that neediness was not something i was mad at that needing was neediness was absolutely one of the most beautiful magical just like instinctually you know like, I just loved this kid's neediness beyond what I could even imagine. And he certainly felt very vulnerable in his neediness. But again, I wasn't mad at him for it. There was no shame in that. That was just because he was a human being and he needed his mama. He needed his dad. And it was just this moment where the Lord was so kind to me because, and I'm going to get emotional talking about it now, Melissa, but Instead of removing the name needy from my brain, it was like he completely reconstructed it with his grace. And there was so much healing in that. It was like God said, yes, the neediness that you felt because of these men's sin that was inflicted on you, like that was a bad needy. And that's not the neediness that I have for you, my daughter. But the neediness that I have for you that I want to reconstruct in you is actually a beautiful thing because it means you're needy for me. And it means I'm the one who's going to meet your need. And it just, I mean, it was like in that hospital room, the Lord completely transformed my understanding of the name needy. And it's like I said, instead of removing it, just went, I'm going to show you grace over this and I'm going to speak a new understanding of that name over you. Um, so that's needy is one of the names that I have, I have begun to realize like, yeah, I'm needy. I'm a human being. So are you, you know, that doesn't have to be something we're ashamed of that neediness can point us to the father who meets all of our needs.
1: That's a big one for me. Honestly, I actually, I had a a boyfriend in college that when he broke up with me, oh, it was mutual ish, but he told me it was because I was needy. And like, I was like so torn up over that. I'm like, it was, it was something that I was like, Nope. But then like, I looked at all my other relationships and I was like, man, like maybe he's right. And it was something that really like tore me up for a long time. And thankfully right after that, the next person I did was my now husband and it's been 10 years of marriage. And it's been so healing for me to be with someone that um, is accepting that I am a human with needs. We are just, we are human and we have a need for connection a need for support and encouragement and, man, for some reason, our world is so caught up in this idea that if you have needs, then you're broken. Um, and it's such, it's so backwards because God again, created us with needs that we are, we need not just him, but we need relationships. And to have that as a negative thing is really unfortunate. We were created to be in community. Um, and I think the big thing I figured out was if I'm seeking someone else to meet my needs then man it can be really unhealthy and really tragic but if i'm if i'm seeking god first to meet my core needs of love of belonging of acceptance then i don't need it as much from other people and when i get it it's just an extra blessing you know um i love it so what are some of the other names that god has kind of given to us
0: what it really is a foundational name of our identity as as god's children is of course the name beloved like you know that you are first and foremost god's beloved and then i would say another another name that was really interesting to explore because the entire book known is is really a a book about what it means to be created and named in the image of god and um and so another name is just that. You're an image bearer. You are the imago Dei, as people say, the image of God. And what I have found, at least in um, evangelical Christianity in the West, is that I think a lot of times what we do is we, and, th- and we mean this really well, so I want to say this very carefully, um, but we tend to continue to say that the image of God in us is so broken and so marred and so ugly and so horrible and so disgusting and so yucky because of our sin. Okay. And I understand we say that because we want to, we want to appreciate the weight of our sin. So we understand what an incredible salvation we have that Jesus took all that on himself. So I, I understand that at the same time, I think there comes a point for the Christian where we, um, You know, God has said that we are clothed in righteousness because of Christ. Like, those of us who are in Christ are new creation. Those of us in Christ are becoming more Christ-like every single day. Like, so I think there becomes a point where we can no longer identify In sort of that like before Christ identity, that Adam and Eve identity where we're so broken, we're so ugly, we're so terrible. And at some point we have to embrace like who God says we are. We are image bearers. And yes, the way we bear God's image is broken. But the image of God in us is not broken because the true image of God is Jesus. And so it's, again, like, I just think we have to reframe some of the ways we speak over ourselves because that is not how God sees us or speaks over us. And again, I say that carefully because I never want to, never want to wash over the weight of our sin. But for those who are in Christ, who are forgiven, who are made new, who are empowered by the Holy Spirit, like it is time for us to begin speaking like good words over ourselves that God has spoken over us. And so. you know, fully equipped image bearers is another one of those names that I just I long to see our generation and the next generation, especially of women like live into and walk with our heads held high, knowing we were created in the image of God.
1: I love it. And I think there's so much to that, that I know there's like the churchy terms, justification versus sanctification, that like, as soon as we accept Jesus as our Savior, we are immediately in the eyes of God, the Father, spotless like there is no blemish no imperfection on us that he sees us almost through christ um and and we're like completely clean you know but we still have this like sanctification process where over time over life that we um hopefully if we're clinging to christ it, you know being empowered by the holy spirit transforming more and more into Christ's likeness and that doesn't happen overnight like you've said but it's I think we oftentimes will look at and measure ourselves and our grace by our actions when that's not how God the Father looks at
0: us. Right. I like to think of it as, and I'm sure this is not an original thought to me, but we're becoming who we already are. Like we're becoming who God has already declared us to be. So you are already clean. You're already made new, and then you're in the process of becoming that as God, like you said, sanctifies you, makes him more like His, makes you more like His Son over time as you continue surrender to him, I think just remembering like, no, God already sees me as, as covered in him, in Jesus's blood, like our, in Jesus's righteousness that has been credited to me. We know these things, but I think we just don't walk in them. We tend to walk into like, I'm so terrible all the time, especially women. Right. I will never measure up. But the reality is, like, there's no measuring. The scale is gone. Like, Jesus broke the scale. And so you can live from your approval and not try to fight for your approval like you were just talking about.
1: Um, Beloved, known. um, Whole is another one that I really enjoyed that one. Would you maybe speak into what that looks like?
0: Absolutely. That that actually goes back to Overcomer as well because, I, you know, it's so interesting. You... You walk through assault, and then the Lord does an amazing healing journey in your life. And then, if you're in shoes like mine, you end up telling the story again and again and again of what God has done. And that's amazing. And that is an honor. But there came a time for me – it's not that I don't – I want to keep talking about what God has done in my life, and and Overcomer really is about the healing journey God brought me on because of the shame I carried from those assaults, and I carried them for a long time even into marriage. But there came a point where I felt like I was beginning to identify as the woman who was twice assaulted instead of the woman who had been healed from her shame. I want to be so careful and tender to listeners right now because I know so many of you have stories of – just desperate heartache and, um, evil that has happened to you that should not have happened to you. And so I, I'm, I want to say this with a very tender heart towards you. Um, I know that some of you are still walking through just deep, deep, um, brokenness and, and, um, loss and things you carry that not everyone knows secret things you carry. And so I want to be very, very sensitive to that. With that in mind, with those really sacred hurts in mind, um, what I don't want to see is a generation of women that are defined by their issues or their pain or their shame or their trauma. Does that make sense? And so I wrote the chapter whole um, because I was looking at the story of the bleeding woman, the woman woman with the issue of blood. She's in three of the um, gospel writer stories and she's unnamed which I think is really interesting. Um, we know that because of her bleeding, she was a- a isolated and outcast from her community, et cetera. And um, we know that she spent 12 years uh, looking for hope from doctors, was never able to find that hope. And then she met Jesus. And like one encounter with Jesus changed everything. First of all, he healed her. Second of all, and this is the most powerful moment to me in her story, he looked for her. And then he called her daughter. And so this unnamed woman became in that one instance with Jesus, healed, whole, victorious, and then a sense of belonging. Like now she's a family, in a family with God. She's daughter. And I know culturally, probably women were called daughter a lot, but I don't think for Jesus that was just a casual use. I think that was a very significant specific name that he spoke over her this woman who had been isolated and outcast for so long was now daughter now belonged now had wholeness now had healing and um i think for me that story was so is always so 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 impactful because i i, I long to see every woman with a tender story um grab at the hem of jesus's healing power Experience his him calling her daughter, and and, uh, listeners, I I want you to hear that now that Jesus calls you daughter, and that you um though I know you've walked through hard stuff, you do not have to be defined by that. You don't have to be owned by that. You don't have to be imprisoned by that. There's freedom for you in Jesus. There's wholeness for you in Jesus. There's victory for you in Jesus, and. In time, tenderly, he will just keep looking for you, keep reaching out his hand for you, and you can rise up and know that you're his daughter and that we are whole in Christ. We can be whole in Christ. It's just a little bit of faith. It's all it takes, right, to reach out and touch his hand, and um, he'll meet us in ways that we could not even expect. And again, even those of us who have been through terrible, terrible trauma can walk in wholeness and walk towards wholeness, even if we don't experience it right away so you're whole in jesus name that's one of your names
1: and that's actually one of my favorite passages in the bible um, it's funny last week my pastor actually preached on that topic which is kind of funny yeah crazy odds right um of all the passages in the entire bible um and i love that one because even if you just look at the story right before it and kind of around it is that Jairus' daughter right That gyrus's daughter was 12 years old and this woman had had bleeding for 12 years and then with jesus calling her daughter And I love that story because like Jairus, you know, from the stuff you see in in the story, he's fairly well off, you know, had some standing in society, you know, was someone that like Jesus should have paid attention to, right, from the world's eyes. But this woman, I mean, she literally didn't have a name, didn't have any money. She was probably in severe debt from what she was going through, had nothing to offer him. And yet Jesus gave her not only time, but just had spoken this word of, of worth over her when she was one a woman that had no worth. And so I think for so many of us women that either something has been done to us that has made us feel worthless, or we've made some choices that have led to us feeling worthless, whether it's in our control or out of our control, I think for so many of us feeling like we don't deserve anyone's love, much less the love of God. And I think this passage really shows us that, that we um, we don't have to come with anything. We don't have to give anything to God to to declare ourselves worthy of his love that he just gives it freely and calls us daughter. And again, I, that goes so much to the parental wounding that a lot of people face. Um, and to be able to like receive that word of daughter, I think, man, it's like, ah, like not going to cry right now, but man, that, that has been like a huge, huge passage that has really blessed me over the years. But um, I do wanna jump kind of near the end of your book. You have this chapter called, You Are Sent. And I love how you kind of talk about how embracing our God-given names enables us to really live um, in, in freedom and kind of helps us to do the things that we're called by God and created to do. Um, so, you know, what are some questions you kind of talk about? Um, you know, what am I good at? What am I passionate about? What are some questions that we can ask ourselves to kind of identify our, our passion
0: and our calling? I think sometimes we we overcomplicate this concept called calling, right? And we're like, I hope I don't miss my calling, God. What is my calling, God? And we can spend our lives like spinning our wheels like, oh, I don't know what I'm called to do. And I, I think the reality is um, if you look in scripture and then you look just anecdotally at people's lives, our calling is is actually a little bit obvious because you're just excavating from your own life story what you're called to do. I mean, that's the goodness of God is he's not like trying to be mysterious and hide your calling from you. It's like, it's in your DNA. It's in your your namedness, like your personality, your passions. Also, I would say if you're exploring your calling, um, do it with other people, do it with friends, do it in your small group, do it with your Christian community. If you're not a Christian, do it with your best friends um, because oftentimes we can't even see ourselves clearly, but other people can. And then I think oftentimes too, calling is not just an individual, individual pursuit. Like often there's something that God will plant on a group of people's heart and they're meant to go after that thing together. So, okay what am I good at? I think that's a very basic calling question. Like, and I I make this joke in the book, but I am like terrible at basketball. And so I'm not going to be a professional basketball player. You know what I mean? That's, that's kind of a silly example. But if you know what you're good at, and then you know what you're bad at, it's of course, it doesn't mean you don't grow and change. But generally speaking, God is not going to call you to do something that you're terrible at. God has given you gifts and talents on purpose, you know, and that's, That's a part of your calling. What are you passionate about? And that can get – I feel like that can feel almost too pressure sometimes for women. So like what are you curious about? Like take it down a notch. What are you curious about? What's interesting to you? That's part of your calling probably because things that interest me may not interest you. And again, there's a reason for that. Um, what is – this is really important. What is your neighborhood, your city, your school, your kids' school, your place of work? What does that need? Like what wrongs do you see that you are just – I have got to make that right. I have got to fix that. I think sometimes if you're the person writing the email to whoever and you're like, this is a problem. You need to fix that. Probably that should be a cue to you. Like, Oh, maybe I should fix that. You know, so that, that don't write the letter, figure it out yourself. Write the letter and say, I'm going to do something about this. Um, this is what I had to remind myself of yesterday, Melissa. What are the open doors in my life? And I, this one is not my question. I took this from John Mark Comer, who's a pastor out um, on the East or West Coast. You know, we can't, I think sometimes too, as women, we like bang on doors that are just closed to us and we have to trust that like, God's going to open the doors that nobody else can open and God's going to close doors that nobody else can close. And we just have to trust that, like walk through the open doors because there's there's probably anointing there there's probably healing there there's probably freedom there and it doesn't mean don't try hard to follow your dreams but like just i think don't waste your life banging on doors that aren't opening for you because that's probably not what god has for you and then that can just make you want to like bang your head against the door but that's not what god has for you right um and then this one is important for women what season of life are you in right because a a stay-at-home mom who's in the middle of changing diapers is in a totally different season of life than I'm in now with my kids, my oldest son in high school. And every season matters, right? Like every season, God has you there on purpose to shape you into Christ likeness and to prepare you for the next. So it can become very easy to despise certain seasons, but you can't like you have to find God's presence, God's invitation and gratefulness in each season. And I promise you, like he will shape you in the middle of those for the next season. But don't expect to be like, don't expect to be where someone who's 10 years down the road from you is. You're not meant to be, and that's okay. You know, someone who like a ma a full-time uh working marketplace woman is in a very different place than a college student. And so it's okay. Like there's no don't need to compare yourself, don't need to worry about that. Just trust God's perfect timing in the season for your life.
1: That's been one of the things over the last couple of years that God has really had to like refine in me. Because I'm a very like future-focused person. Like I want to have plans and um, like very like achievement kind of oriented. Um, If you do the Enneagram, I'm, I'm a three. <laughs> and so for me as a mom, and I'm a stay at home mom right now, and I do some like, I do lots of volunteer stuff and I work part-time, you know, on, you know, distance and stuff. And it is so, it has been challenging because like I want to go and do stuff that, you know, make a big impact. And so there were times earlier, even when my kids were even younger, that it was really hard because my my time was limited. My energy was limited. And I feel like every year that passes, I'm able to do more outside my home, but I feel like I've been learning maybe my calling, you know, a big part of my calling is as a mom and like not despising that calling, um, which I know is a big thing for a lot of women right now. You know, we have such a huge impact in our homes in addition to what we do in the world and, you know, in church or, or, you know, so many amazing callings that we have on our lives that I know for me in this season, it looks totally different.
0: And that season – I mean, I, ha- I hate to be that older mom who says this because I did not like these older moms who said this to me because my – you know, the years when I stayed at home and I felt like I wasn't contributing much to the world was r- were really, really, really hard for me. I'm a four with a three wing, a very strong three wing. So I feel you, Melissa. Um, I uh, – you know the moms who would say it goes by fast. I would be so annoyed. Like, well, no, it does not. It feels like it's going so painfully slow. But now that, of course, we're here, I'm like, it goes by so fast. They get so big so fast. And of course, I'm like, you know, you hindsight's twenty twenty, of course. But I'm like, oh, why didn't I? Why didn't I enjoy the season more? Why didn't I love them better? Now, you know, you can't live like that. And at the end of the day, it's one of the hardest seasons there is when you've got little ones at home. But um, you're exactly right. Like, you can't – each season matters. Each season builds on the next. God uses each season season to shape you, and it will be okay. Like, it will be okay. Your day – I mean – Some women are called to these forever and amen. Like you guys are my heroes, you know, but if you're not, your day will come when your kids get older and there's a little bit more freedom and you're like, okay, now I can run at the pace I want to run at. Um, And then just quickly, I would say, um, you know, talk to your community again. Like what, what gifts do you see in me? What gifts do you see in each other? I think that's a powerful thing women can do for one another. Just name the things they see in each other. Um, and then, you know, like we were just talking about the Enneagram, look at the Enneagram, look at Strengths Finders, look at all of those tests and kind of see how you're shaped. None of that is on accident. All of that is God's perfect fingerprint in you and on you and for your calling.
1: I love that. And I think for us to acknowledge, and again, I think this is part of like, understanding and being known by God is knowing that like he created us perfectly with an intention and a plan and a purpose it's not we're not here on accident it's not just some cosmic accident that we are here today and I think to be able to acknowledge like we have been created in the image of God in a specific way bearing part of the image of God um, I think coming together as a community we are able to like fully present all of who God is when we're all healthy Um, and I'm going to have an Enneagram series coming up fairly soon on that. I'm so excited, but I feel like that's something that's so beautiful. It's like, we can look at who we are, our personality, the way we've been created. And that kind of can show us like what what we're good at our passions and then being able to take action. And I think to me, that's where love comes in that when we are able to move past ourselves and, and do the things that God's called us to do, even when it's uncomfortable and scary, um, just loving people right where we are. I think that's so powerful. Um, I do want to ask one final question before we kind of wrap up. Um, so for the woman that, you know, she's reading your book and she's really um, embracing being known by God, what are some practical things that she can do to help other women to feel seen, known and loved?
0: Oh, I love that question. Cause you're right. Then that calls us out of ourselves, right? That's the, that's the, the whole point. Um, one of the things that I talk about, and I sort of just touched on this, but in, in the book Known is um, a chapter called, I can't, I think it's called You Are a Name Giver. Might be I might be saying my own chapter title wrong, but I do think that there's something very simple that we can do for one another as women, and that's literally name each other well. And I mean name each other intentionally. So I mean things like text your friend that you're with and like, I really see this thing in you. I, or, I, re- man, I feel like God has created you for this. Wow, this thing in you reminds me so much of the heart of God. I just need to affirm that in you. And I think sometimes we don't know, one, the power of our words. Sometimes I think we don't know the ignition that our words can, like, um, cause. Like, you can turn on somebody's engine with a powerful word and not even know what God's going to do. So I think being really intentional to name others well. Um and then I you know and then I think you had mentioned this before Melissa but just like if there's a younger woman invite her along with you with what you're doing you don't need to um you don't need to make extra time in your life necessarily to like uh go out of your way to sit and mentor a woman instead if you're on your way to grocery shop invite her with you especially if she's younger and talk to her about life talk to her about your family if you're married talk to her about marriage if you're in a career uh ministry position, a leadership position. Talk to her about that while you're doing it, right? So you just kind of walk with people in your own rhythm of life. And um, that can be really practical. Now, of course, some women have time to go out for coffees and go out for dinners. and But if you don't, just invite a woman into what you're already doing and God will use that in really tremendous ways. Um, I'll just quickly tell one story. I was with a friend of mine, um, oh, I don't know, several years ago. And she was talking to me about her own experience of assault because she had read Overcomer. And as she was talking, this so for some of your listeners, this won't be weird at all. For others, this might be weird. So I'll just know under the umbrella of like, this could be weird. Okay. But I really. Kept feeling like I saw the name healer across her forehead. And I know that sounds a little, but I was like, okay, Holy Spirit, you, I see healer. I got to tell her this is weird. Like this doesn't happen to me a lot. So I just said, Hey, um, so-and-so I, this may sound strange, but you're talking to me and the whole time I just see the word healer crush her forehead. And she literally burst into tears. And here's what I, I had no idea. Okay. God had been really putting on her heart to start a ministry, um, where women just tell their stories to one another, um, especially women who have been through really heartbreaking things and, and, but she felt like I'm not, uh, I'm not enough to do it. I'm not ready to do it. I'm not equipped to do it. How do I think I could possibly help women find healing in their journeys, But when God gave me that name for her and I told her, she just went boom. And she started her ministry, which is now reaching hundreds of women. Like, I mean, like two weeks later, she started it and she's still doing it now years later. And that's not me. That is what the Holy Spirit does. Like he names us so perfectly, so specifically, uses us to impact and encourage other women so that they can live into the calling that God has for them. And so that's what I mean by naming people well, like I know sometimes we get busy and so we don't think to do it, or we think a nice thought and we don't actually like put legs to it, but like, send your friend a text, send her a card right away, tell her, and you don't know, you don't know what God's going to do because you don't know what God's already been doing behind the scenes of that kind of naming journey.
1: And I think that's so big too, because I think a lot of us as women, when we're feeling called to do something, but we feel um, like we're either not good enough, or we have fear of failure. All these things. I think we almost feel this need to be given permission to to chase the things that God has actually already called us to do. And so I think as women, if we can be in communities like that, um, where we are surrounding ourselves with women that are chasing their calling, we can call that out in them, and they can call us out too um, when we're struggling or when we're when we're really onto something. But I think you know, for women that are listening to this you know, a big part of this is is plugging into a church community. I think for me, that's where I've found those relationships, like where I literally went with someone to the grocery store when, you know, she had four kids at home and she just mentored me in those small moments. And I, I just think that's the thing that it doesn't have to be complicated. You know, I feel like we overcomplicate what this looks like, but it's just in those little moments, sending a quick text, um, praying for someone on their voicemail, on their cell phone. I mean, little, little things. Um, And it doesn't have to take long even if it's like passing in the hall hey you're doing a great job as a mom and i see you and um i know it's really hard right now but you are doing a great job and it's those little things that like i've heard those words spoken over me and it was like life-changing and so affirming and it's not difficult. It's free (laughs) to give love away. I mean, it's so it's, it's free. Um, so I just love it. And again, I just, I so appreciate your book. I think it's so, um, necessary in the season of life right now. That so many women are just really feeling, um, almost at a loss for, um, for encouragement, they're feeling really tired the last, you know, year and a half, two years now has been so difficult um, with grief, with losing loved ones, with um, losing their identity with jobs. I mean, there's so many things that have happened to so many women, and I think to be able to be reminded of what God sees in us and the calling he has for our lives is so powerful. So um, I love it. Um, So with that, where – how can we continue following you, like social media and website, and where can we purchase your book?
0: Yeah. Oh, thanks, Melissa. I love that question. Um, You can – I'm at OBSAMP, A-U-B-S-A-M-P, on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. I would say like most women, Instagram is probably the most fun and where I'm most active. Twitter, I, you know, I'm on, but I really have stepped back because everyone's so divisive on Twitter all the time. And then Facebook, I kind of basically post what I post on Insta. So I would, you know, Insta at ObSamp. And then I have a website, aubreysampson.com. You can purchase the books wherever books are sold. You can find them at um, amazon.com, barnesandnoble.com. There's an audible version of the book as well. Um, you can also, if you like to shop a little uh, locally, um, you can usually ask your local bookstore to purchase it, or you can purchase it at Nav Press com or Tyndale com. Those are my publishers. And so um, all of my books are available there
1: as well. Okay. Well, thank you so much, Aubrey, just for joining me on the show today. Um, for those that are listening, thanks for joining us and I will see you back here next week.